and welcome to your replay for Monday, April 11th, 2022. Replay is a weekly dose of all of the latest in gaming news hosted by us, the Goodnight Groofs, a place for games and a place for goofs. You know, we, we, we've changed the show around a little bit over the course of the years, but we're still workshopping slogan. Also, it hasn't even been one year yet, so maybe not the years. Uh, I am Paul <laughs> and I, I am joined. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. And I'm joined as always by Matt. Uh, and how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. I've had a good weekend. A lot of games, a lot of playing of the old video games, and it's been a good time. It's been relaxing and just a really enjoyable weekend. How about you, Paul? You know, I'm really glad you've been just kind of sitting and playing some video games this weekend. Uh, I'm really, <laughs> really happy uh, that you've had some time to do that. I've had a great weekend. Uh, you know, it went a little different than I thought because um, I was we were going to do something special for my nephew for his birthday, um, but then... Uh, his dad got COVID, and so we're kind oh. of just like we're kind of just like separating a little bit over there. Um, so yeah, so it, it, you know, Rachel and I just ended up having a pretty chill weekend. Um, although I will say, and I'll talk about this more in the water cooler and game groups uh, this coming week, but I have uh, started watching and will finish watching today. I hope uh, Severance on Apple TV Plus, um, which everyone's kind of talking about right now, all the TV peeps, uh, and it's um, Ben Stiller directed and created it, and it's. Um, starring adam scott and it's like a weird lost oh. kind of mystery box like it's like a it's like a weird thing where it's like a workplace that's like disconnected from the rest of the world and there's all these like weird mysteries and Whoa, uh, but weird. it's like really banal too it, it's i think you would like extremely like this show i really? came with a good pitch in my head earlier and i forgot what it was but uh <laughs> i don't want to tell you too much because it's so good you just have to watch it so um if you have any access to apple tv plus it is a must watch super good and it just uh, finished its first nine episode season so i can binge it which is great so yeah thanks to playstation i have yes. apple tv plus so Huge maybe I'll, I'll look into that i watched dune last night paul yes. and i'm not gonna get into it too much because this isn't a dune podcast and you kind of need not. an entire podcast dedicated <laughs> to talk about it but it was okay yeah it wasn't amazing it was visually it was really fun to look at which is why it won all those oscars for like technical awards and things yeah and the music Hans zimmer it mm -hmm. was that was great but I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I love the concept. I don't know if the execution was there. I could talk about it a lot, but I'm not going to. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're running into the same issue with a lot of people had, which is just that it was a cool start to a franchise, but not a great movie on its own. Right. I think that's kind yeah, of the issue. Yeah. So it's just, that's kind of sucks. So, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm excited to see more Dune. I might even just wait till there's more Dunes and watch them all at once. <laughs> we'll see. Well, it's only two movies, I think. Yeah. So there you go. Perfect. Spices and, and stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it does. You know, this ties into video games because there's the Dune video game, the Spice Wars thing that's coming out. Yeah, and uh, one day maybe Funcom is going to make their Conan Exiles, but Dune, which I'm I'm really psyched for. I don't think it's ever going to come out, but I'm really hyped for it. Um, <laughs> and it, I don't think you're going to notice anything different for most people listening to this podcast right now at home. But I do want to just announce as well that in case you weren't aware, we are ending our replay live streams on Twitch right now. Uh, you may not have even known that we had replay live streams, uh, but we did. We were uh, live streaming the show on Sunday, but uh, right now just wasn't really enough people listening or watching, which is totally fine. Um, we're going to hopefully return to that again once we reach affiliate status on Twitch. But right now we're just kind of kind of keep up with the podcast. A lot of work right now um, for Mike to kind of produce this awesome live show that we were doing. And it just wasn't really paying off in terms of like how many people were watching it. Initially, too, there was like an idea where we were going to there was an idea. Um, but there was an idea where we were going to like do a live show and then like export that video to YouTube. But then it just didn't really translate super well. So 
this is for now what we're just gonna keep up with, with the audio podcast like we we're doing before once a week and uh yeah it'll be good but definitely keep up on our twitch channel if you were watching the live streams of replay because we are going to do a ton more stuff on twitch that we're really really excited about and i think it's going to work better in that medium as well yeah per- perfectly well said we're we, we try to be transparent with stuff like this so we explain a little bit of the inside baseball stuff when we make changes because i i feel like that's important because i like hearing that yeah with the podcast that i listen to and stuff like that so that that's why we're making some of these changes it just wasn't the uh the juice wasn't worth the squeeze as they say because mike was putting a lot of work into putting together what was really an awesome show that just unfortunately not many people were were there for yeah we were basically just like live streaming us recording this audio show with like a cool video component that just matt and mike and i were watching and like a few of our buds so (laughs) we will uh we'll get there we'll get there uh, and thank you to everyone who did show up for those live streams. If you're listening, uh, we really, really do appreciate you. And we will like to do this again. Now into something that was pioneered in the live streams. And you can still check out on video. And that is true or poo. I'm going to give you, Matt, three statements uh, about video games. One of them is poo poo duty. The other two are true statements. I uh, kind of switched it around this week a little bit. So I yeah. think this one is Bethesda themed. That's just themed statements. I might be kind of catching you on your back foot a little bit here. We're going to see, we're going to see what we can do. First statement, the satisfying ding noise that rings out when a fat man nuke is launched in fallout three is actually the same sound as the lunch bell from Bethesda softworks cafeteria. (laughs) Uh, Elder Scrolls five Skyrim almost became a game of Thrones tie in for the then recent release of the series on HBO. Hmm. And the sad location in Fallout 3, known as the Republic of Dave, which is a town where only one man lives and plays every character, was actually based on a story Todd Howard wrote as a child. Man, these are good ones. I think that the Game of Thrones one has to be the poo. If it's if it's not, then I'm going to be really sad. You know what? That is the poo, because there was a separate story that Bethesda was making a Game of Thrones game after that so I think that that's where you're trying to trip me up because that was a separate story. I don't think that was ever supposed to be Skyrim. So I'm going to say that that is the poo. I really hope that's the case because the other ones, I, I like that they're true. And if the Game of Thrones one is true, it's just going to make me sad. Uh, okay, so I'll tell you right now. I mean, the writing of it clearly was pretty awesome, like obvious. The satisfying ding, that's the Bethesda Softworks cafeteria noise. I did try to make the other ones sound a little bit longer so it matched <laughs> that that was like quite a detailed fact um, but i thought that was that was an interesting one i thought that was fun and then uh yeah so the republic of dave that's one of my favorite spots in fallout 3 um i, re- I really 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 love that spot it's a really weird story and it is an awesome story but it was not written by todd howard as a child it was actually not elder scrolls uh, 5 skyrim at one point there was in talks to be a tie-in for game of thrones uh, as that was uh, being produced, uh, and then it didn't uh, happen. It fell through. Wow, that's devastating. That is devastating. And you can kind of see like the design of the map and like some of the, like like it's not it, obviously it's not related, but like you could see how that could easily tr- have translated to a Game of Thrones game. The dragons. I wonder if that's what happened with the reports that they were potentially in talks to do one later on. If like that information leaked out later and was just sort of like the story was kind of jumbled somewhere yeah. in translation. I wonder if that's what happened there. It could be right. But isn't that weird? That's, I thought that was wild. I've, I've, I've only, I, I, I'll say for the, for the truth too, I didn't like hyper fact check, but I did check a couple spots. So, but like nothing 
So I'm, it might be a little bit conjecture on that. But yeah, that was written by uh, the Republic of Dave was written by a professional writer, <laughs> not a child Todd Howard. But it is a great, uh, a, a fun little tidbit. How do we not have a full on Game of Thrones RPG? Like, how has that not happened? And now it's not gonna probably because the show flop uh, <sighs> with the finale, so which is annoying. a disappointing thing. I, I mean, and again, I'm kind of over it because that really did wreck shit for me. But uh, I know it didn't ruin the stuff. whole thing for me. I, That's I, I understand. I understand it. I wish it didn't. I, I, I honestly do. And I and I thought I'd try to rewatch again, but it's just knowing the canon of what some of the stuff ends up being just kind of like ruins it in retrospect to me to know what it was all for. You know what I mean? But I, I, I don't, I hate that I'm so picky about it. Like I'm not trying not to be, <laughs> I get that. It, it's for some reason, there are shows where that does happen for me. This wasn't the case just because the, some of the first few seasons were just that good. So <laughs> like good. it's hard, it's hard to, for me at least to go back and ruin that. Yeah, I totally feel you. Um, and I'm just completely uninterested for this uh, <laughs> H- this House of Dragons or whatever. Yeah, I'll watch it, but I'm not. I'm not. I like, don't know if I will. Desperate for it. Rachel told me she won't let me watch it because she's she's more butthurt about Game of Thrones Whoa. than I am because she watched it like the whole way through. So not not let me, but she's like, I'm not like, don't put this on. Well, <laughs> like, don't make me watch this shit. <laughs> it's like okay, okay, maybe. I was like, Matt Smith, the doctor, he looks like a Targaryen. Oh, yeah. Might work, might work. All right, Matt, we got we to gotta move on because boy, oh boy, are there a ton of reviews to talk about today because, Matt, the reviews are in and there are like, what, we have like 11 games to talk about? It's absolutely wild. They're stuffing the mailbox. They're falling out they of are. the mailbox. <laughs> it's like uh, I was, your Netflix queue exploded and they sent <laughs> yeah. you everything at once. Uh, this is a topical <laughs> reference in 2022, is it not? <laughs> yeah. So let's let's get right into it with the highest rated game here. One of the highest rated games of the year so far, and that is Norco. This is a point and click narrative game. Got a 91 on Open Critic. It is out right now. This game looks super interesting to me. Wow. Here's the thing about these games. I never have a good moment to like sit down and, and get sucked into them. You know, I do a lot of video gaming where I like watch TV and like hang out with Rachel. So I don't like sit and just in a dark room and like play a game like this. But I want to. This is like when someone puts away like Dostoevsky and they're like, I swear one day I'm going to read it. You know, I'm going to sit and just read all this <laughs> stuff. The classics. That's what I feel about something like this or like playing like Disco Elysium or something where I can like just really like get in and like have like 50 hours of, of dialogue. And this looks so cool. The story of this, the the art style, the pixel art is is gorgeous. Uh, there's and, and I think and I'll let you kind of go off too. But like, there's something really uncomfortable about it. And I think I wouldn't have felt so excited about it if I hadn't just been watching Severance. I'll say because because oh, okay, yeah. there's like this like mystery. Everything's a little uncomfortable. Everything like puts you on your back foot a little bit. And and I think this game has that same kind of feel to it and i'm i'm in that mood right now and so i think that there's something about this just really blows me away like it just feels like there's the 91 really makes me feel like there's depth there maybe i'm being a fool but i do have that feeling and i'd i'd love one day to sit down and just like pour into this wow i wasn't expecting that to me it looks unsettling mm-hmm. so there's something really off about it but in the same way and i i know it's a totally different game but it gives me Undertale vibes. Really? Yeah, totally different game, but I just feel like the sense that there's more that meets the eye, Yes, that yes. sort of thing. I'm wholly uninterested in this game. Yep. <laughs> I will not ever be touching this game, but 
it does look really interesting. And I think you're right. I think there is some sort of depth there to this game, probably, that players can go in and discover something that, like I said, more than meets the eye. And I'm I'm shocked that you're so interested by it, I but am. I'm glad. And I do think uh, you should check it out. I think it's on Game Pass. Is it? I'm not sure if it is. I know one of the other games that we're going to be talking about, uh, uh, Chinatown Detective Agency, is. I don't know if Norco is, but if it is, uh, that will incentivize me further. But yeah, I, I won't go on about it forever. We have a lot of games to talk about. But yeah, I, there's just something about this that really grabs me. I'm excited uh, to hopefully jump into it. You know, part of it's like the ambience too, the ambient effect, which I saw. Like, uh, I, I watched a pretty cool, like, long review of it, and people, well, I skimmed it, and uh, and they were talking about like just there's a part where you're, like outside a house and like the like the pixel effects and the lighting, and you could hear like the traffic like far off in the background mm. and like the cicadas, and it really it, 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 like conjures all these like weird images of like a different nostalgic world of like the pixel art. There's something very cool about that to me. I, again. I'm saying all this. I don't know if I'll ever find that moment to like sit and really jump into this, but I'd like to. So there you go. Cool. Let's move on to something else. Ikai, is that, is that correct? A survival horror game. Got a 59 on Open Critic. Not great. It's out right now. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I would say if you want Japanese horror, just play Ghostwire Tokyo because you sort of, I've described it bef- this way before, but it's sort of walking simulator meets survival horror, meets FPS action type of game. There's a lot going on in Ghostwire Tokyo. Yes, I, I've been playing it more this weekend. And, and yeah, things do get re- repetitive, but the crazy cool things that they do with making these trippy corridor, le- uh, corridor levels and all the Japanese horror stuff is really interesting and good. So check that out. Uh, don't play this uh, Ikai game. <laughs> yeah, this Ikai game, to me, it looks super forgettable. Uh, and I and I have to say, I'm getting sick and tired of these bad horror walking sims. I feel like they're just starting to really outstay their welcome for me. I think at a certain point it was like, okay, we don't have enough of these. So like, sure, I'll play some because like I just want more of that. But starting to lose its interest in me, like all these like dark pictures anthology games that I was so excited for because I loved uh, Matt. Help me out. What's that? Uh, what's the Until game? Dawn. Until, Until Dawn. Dawn. I loved Until Dawn. So I played these dark pictures anthology games and I just, I'm starting to get kind of bored of this like bad, not so great, you know, I'm, I've said it a million times, but the point is, uh, yeah, I'm over it. And Ikai looks like another one of those. And also um, just one thing that like really boiled my blood watching a review of it was uh, you have to like, there's a part where you have to like draw kanji of some kind or something with like the controller or something. And it like, or like, a, I don't know, mouse and keyboard, but it looked super awkward. And if you like don't get it right, it like makes you start again. And it looked incredibly frustrating. And I hate, oh, shit, yeah. like that. <laughs> I hate shit like that. So yeah, not uh, not good. There's a lot of cool games out there that can that are doing that. Like you said, Ghostwire Tokyo, um, a lot of cool like Japanese horror stuff. Go play one of them. Ghostwire has a weird drawing mechanic too, like that where you're drawing a symbol, but it's it, it's really fluid. It flows really well. I've I've never messed it up because it's just, I don't even know if you can actually, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's, yeah. <laughs> there's like guardrails on that makes it so you can't even mess it up. But yeah, it's, it's just a better Japanese horror game right now. Yeah. I'm super psyched to give that a go at some point. Moving on to in nightmare. It's a puzzle horror game. Got a 64 on open critic, not super hot. Uh, yeah. I mean, the art looks cool. Uh, it looks like nice to look at. Uh, it's a little dark, but I mean, that's kind of part of the point with a horror thing. 
Uh, but I, I'll just say right now, and this is not normally my feeling, the isometric view on this just kind of totally takes me out of it. Like it doesn't look, it's not, it doesn't seem scary when you're like having that overhead view. Uh, it looks kind of cluttered. It just did not like, just from looking at the reviews of it, didn't work for me at all. This, I can't remember the game, but this really reminds me of another game we had in this segment, maybe like a month ago, a month or two ago. Yes. I can't remember what game that was, but it reminds me of that. Is it the one with the woman with the weird umbrella and all that stuff? Maybe. That could yeah. be it. But this this also reminds me of Little Nightmares, which yeah. I like Little Nightmares. I actually, I didn't play the second one because the first one was, it's actually like kind of scary. And I just, when I'm playing those little puzzle platformers, I don't necessarily want that. There's like a super massive tension in those games, especially like when you're running away from this horrible creature. And so I, I just want, didn't like, enjoy Pumpkin that Jack aspect. scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. <laughs> and so I will not be playing this game. It looks like a bad version of Little Nightmares. So just go yeah. play Little Nightmares 1 and 2. That's that's what I've seen in a lot of reviews. So there you go. Great rec uh, to check out. And I think a better um, POV as well. All right. Moving on to Moss Book 2, VR adventure game. Uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. Matt, you said that you uh, you hadn't played Moss, but you were excited for it. This thing got an 85 on Open Critic, which is a great thing to see. It's out right now. Um, Matt, what are you feeling about Moss Book 2? It looks great. I have the first Moss. I haven't played it. I'm pretty sure it came with my PSVR. I thought it would be one of the VR games that I'd jump into right away, and I never did. I'll eventually play them. It's just a bitch to set up PSVR, so maybe they'll be ported to PSVR 2 or at least backwards compatible. I don't know how that's going to work exactly. Hopefully I though, feel because like maybe, yeah. Yeah, I I hope so. Uh because PSVR 2 is going to be easier to set up, <laughs> and so I won't have to worry about that aspect. I eventually want to play these games. They're cute, they look fun. They're kind of up my alley, but VR, it's just it's a commitment and yeah. it, it, like it, like you have to put on the headset, you have to <laughs> get into the mood. You you might not be able to play for more than a couple hours before you start to feel sick like there's there's baggage that comes with vr that is hopefully fixed with the next iterations but right now it's a bit of a hassle to to play the games yeah that's totally fair and i have to say personally i'm sure people can give me a lot of good reasons for this but i just don't understand why moss is in vr like i get that the idea is that it gives you a better connection to the little character and like you're influencing the world they're in by like, you know, changing things and moving stuff around in there. But I feel like that would also work really well in just a video game in general, in a traditional sense where you're still influencing the world and you're still interacting with this little mouse and they're looking back at you and you're helping them. I don't know if that necessarily requires VR and it seems weird to me. I just don't, I don't vibe at all with VR things where it's not first person view. I don't, right. I don't get the benefit of that and i guess it is supposed to be per first person view of like you like watching the story and stuff but i just it, it doesn't work for me um maybe if i played it it would but i, I just i i'm kind of disappointed because this game and like this concept looks kind of fun and i would almost like to get into it but i don't have vr but i also don't really want to even kind of play this in vr i'd rather play something else in vr <laughs> Uh, so I don't know that that's my thought on that, but I will say the weapons look cool. Um, not that it matters that much, but like the sword, uh, for the first one looked fun, but like, I really like that big hammer and the little like, uh, chakras or whatever you're throwing out. Those look fun. Look, it looked like a fun game. As far as being in, in VR, I think the reason is because you, you as the player are the reader. So it's yeah. like you're reading a book sort of, I, the one thing I will say about VR, that's not first person, uh, Astrobot. Uh, rescue mission mm -hmm. the the first 
Astrobot game, which was the the platformer on PSVR, it's kind of cool in VR because you can look around corners and see different angles and look at different perspectives. So it kind of makes platforming interesting in that way. I can see how there's a little platforming in Moss. It's not a platformer. It's it's more like just a an adventure game. So, but I could see how those sort of aspects would also help the game. But I, I do agree. I don't think it had to be a VR game. I guess they probably felt like we'll make this VR game for PlayStation and it'll probably do better or get more attention than it would just as its own regular video game. Yeah, that makes sense. I hear you. All right, moving on to something else a little bit more exciting to me, which is Coromon. It's a Pokemon-like game. Got a 75 on Open Critic. It's out right now. This just looks super fun to me. I'm immediately drawn to this. Matt, how are you feeling about Coromon? I'll say this is something I didn't even know was really happening. I'm not really I feel like these Pokemon knockoffy games are always like in the background and you have to be like in the know or, or interested in that kind of thing to even hear about them. Yeah, I knew that this was happening because I'd seen it on Steam as like an upcoming game. I didn't expect it to get professionally reviewed as much as it did. That was a little bit shocking to me. I wonder if that's partly because there just isn't a lot of stuff going on right now. So maybe that's why. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I kind of like this genre, I'll call it, of Pokemon knockoffs, especially ones that tap into the nostalgic aspects of the older games since Game Freak isn't making those older style games anymore. So that's kind of cool. It, but it, you can't escape the feeling of it being off-brand Pokemon. That's the only thing. Like that baggage is always going to be there. Yeah. But it is interesting, and it, it does look fun. I mean, I, I like any sort of new take on the this Pokemon type genre. I think that's cool, and anything that might maybe push Game Freak further in their own games is good. But it's it's hard to escape the stink of like this. This is a Pokemon knockoff. It's not the real thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling kind of bullish. I'm feeling kind of positive about this. There's something to me about like when you have a new generation of Pokemon and they've been playing nostalgia a lot more recently, I think, and like having old Pokemon Gen 1s come back. But I feel like there was times in like the middle of the of our Pokemon journey here, Gen 5 and 6 and stuff, where you didn't really have as many of those. Uh, and it really did feel kind of like a whole new crop, but with the same kind of gameplay loop. And so I can kind of suspend yeah. my disbelief a little bit when you have something like Coromon, um, which is also cool because it's not just something I have to play on a Nintendo console and it's not something I have to be tied to the the, you know, the old school Pokemon setup. But something else I'll mention, which is kind of neat, the story of this just seems cool and a little bit more out there than a Pokemon story might be. Not too much, but I like that they can play a little bit more with the world building, like the idea that there's these like, and Matt, I don't know if you looked into it that much, but like the idea that there's like these like totem or like these um, ancient, you know, golem dudes who like run the, you know, like elementally run the world or something. And they've been been reawakened because these blue alien people, like their planet blew up and they have to show up and they've shown up and they kind of like invaded the world. And so you have to deal with them a little bit and they're kind of like running shops now, but it's kind of like there, there's like dark energy coming from them and it's like bringing the totems. So you have to like go and like find the totems and like they empower your Coromon somehow. It seems neat. And it seems, it, it almost feels more like, story-wise like more in depth a little bit like a digimon story or something like right, something right, that's right. a little more interesting than just like the the world's already here and there's just some like terrorists going and doing some crazy shit which is like most pokemon games so 
it seems kind of cool and I'm excited to see more. It doesn't have to be Coromon, but this did kind of open the door for me to remember more Pokemon knockoffs. Like I, I looked up Nexomon, which is yeah. kind of, which I hadn't really seen before. Um, but it's interesting. You mentioned like the nostalgia thing. Yeah. Nexomon's cool, but it looks kind of like too knockoffy cause it's too smooth and, and new. And I found that Coromon, you're right, like totally nailed that like DS Pokemon game. And like, that's something really special about this game. And it also made me want to go back and check out Temtem because uh, I love, you know, you and I both are interested in MMO games. And like, so I love the idea of being able to play like an MMO Pokemon game, which is kind of the dream, but it's a knockoff a little bit. But I don't know. I, I, I wish I'd gotten into it and and just shelled out some cash and played some Temtem because I was always like, eh, waiting for it to be free. Anyway, regardless. As you can tell, I'm, I'm I'm actually getting pretty impassioned about knockoff Pokemon, so I'll have to cut myself off. But yeah, this looks cool. I might play this. Yeah, Temtem is interesting too. It's been on my Steam wish list for a while. The thing about that is I need, I need to just make a decision soon because the price keeps going up as they're adding yep. content because it's yep. an early access. I think it started at $35. I think it's at 42 now. Eventually, it'll be a $60 game. So yep. I need to just go ahead and, and bite the bullet and eventually get it. I think it still has a decent player base i don't think this sort of game needs a ton of players for yeah. it to feel a little bit alive so i'll get into it at some point but yeah that's that's been on the wish list for a while all right we gotta move on from this and talk about something else but yeah poke, knock off pokemon love it keep doing it mlb the show 22 baseball game of course 76 on open critic it is out right now uh i i wrote here in my notes is baseball people hit balls and they go whoosh matt yeah, it's it's a baseball game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I will say it's noteworthy that this is this is a PlayStation owned franchise, uh, and it's on Switch for the very first time with this iteration. Last year was mm -hmm. on Xbox for the first time, and it was a day one Game Pass. I think it is this year too. So that's kind of weird. It is weird. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll see PlayStation Studios logo on Nintendo Switch and Xbox now. Just like when you see the Xbox Game Studios logo on uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and, yeah. and that kind of stuff as well, which is weird. So weird, weird stuff. Uh, but also cool. I like that. It's it's really interesting. That it's a Game Pass Day One game. I, I, that's very interesting. I'd love to know a little bit more about like the dealings that went on for that. My my only guess as far as that, and I'll, I'll just uh, real quick. Yeah, I think the MLB might have been approached separately by Xbox, and the MLB said, "Well, in order for us to re up your license with." with this PlayStation studio that's making this okay. But now you have to start putting the game on other platforms. So maybe I, it was probably the MLB that led that charge. It wasn't PlayStation. That makes a ton of sense. I think that, that, that tracks. All right, let's move on to something that people are darn excited for Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga, of course, a Lego action game got an 82 on open critic out right now. Uh, very close to my group Stradamus uh, guess. Was it Ooh. not? I think I don't know. I, guess, I can't remember what I said. I think I said 80, 81, but I'm not sure. I might, have, I might have went lower. This game has beaten the previous concurrent user record for a Lego game on Steam by 1200 percent. It's 83,000 users to 6000 users for Lego Marvel Superheroes, which is actually a really fun game. Lego Marvel Superheroes more fun with like kids or if you're playing like co-op, but it's a fun game to goof around in if you like Marvel stuff. But uh, this is a whole other level. This is nuts. Matt, I, I noticed you said here you weren't you didn't know that it covered all three trilogies. So that's a big surprise, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it was a big surprise <laughs> watching your review. I did not realize that it covered the entire thing. Yeah. That's an absurd amount of content. I thought it was just the original trilogy for it's some the reason. Skywalker saga, baby. That's what they've uh, branded the whole nine, the whole nine. Yeah, so it's the whole thing. That seems like a lot of game. 
Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know it. how they could possibly get it right. There's so much. But they've already made most of the games, right? So I feel like it's just like shoving yeah. those in there and then adding on Maybe. new ones and then putting it all in one package. And because a lot of them are older games, too, they really decided to kind of like... I'm sure they could fit all that content, you know, on I was gonna say on one disc, but you know what I mean, like in a file <laughs> that's downloadable and, and and usable. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I wrote here uh, that I know it might take a while, and I might be lying, but I think I'll pick this up in a couple years on a decent sale. But I say that about like lots of shit, so who cares? But I do. I'm iffy about Lego games. As a kid, I liked them a lot. I mean, as a kid, I don't know. I was like, you know. 13 or something when they first started coming up with these Lego Star Wars games, but I really liked them. I never really got into like Lego Hobbit or Lego Jurassic Park or any of that stuff, but I did, uh, I did like the original Lego Star Wars. So, I, I mean, I think it's possible with all nine in there. This seems like a really good collection to get. I think I'll, I'll probably pick it up at some point if I'm ever hankering for that kind of thing. I think it would be a really fun game to, to own for how much content you're getting out of it. The value seems high. Yeah, you just you have to go in understanding that these Lego games are like very much for young children. Like so much so that they are like the the whole like Anakin Padme love story thing is like sort of censored in the games even though like Star Wars is kind of a children's movie. Right. So like you don't really have to censor it any more than it already is, yet they do. So like this is very much with like the the little silly gags they have in the games. Like these are very much games for kids, which is totally fine. And adults can obviously enjoy it too. I just know that going into it. It's not like Star Wars on the screen. It's not a faithful adaptation of Star right. Wars in terms of like the tone and everything. Yeah, for sure. Um but there's a lot of little like funny gags and stuff that work really well. I saw a funny bit where if you play as uh, young Anakin and someone plays as Darth Vader and uh, there's like a little interaction where Anakin goes like, wow, that's such a cool suit. Like, how do I get one of those? <laughs> and he's like, patience, young, young, oh. which is funny. Wait, wait, Paul, what, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I, I haven't watched past episode one. So. Right. I'll tell you when you're older. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But suffice to say, Luke and Leia... Are, I think they're like Jar Jar Binks's kid or something. It's been a while okay, since I watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. But yeah, this looks cool. I'm, I'm psyched. Uh, I, I'm i not psyched enough to go buy it, but I think it's a really good value and it's exciting for everyone who's been waiting for it forever that it got an 82. Okay, we got to keep going, Matt. We got to push through these. Forgive me, Father. This is a retro FPS 74 on Open Critic. It's out right now. The art is so cool, right? Like the design? Yeah, the art is really awesome. It does create this sort of weird stuttering low frame rate effect because of it, but man, it it's a pretty looking game. Yeah, I really love it. It's like kind of it, it's like almost like uh, old school Doom or something like that. It's like it's almost like if you take like modern Doom and then put it in an old school Doom look. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's cool. A lot of like running around, speedy. You never stop. You never stop shooting. There's no like no reload mechanic because you just you have like endless. You have to just find bullets and then you can endlessly shoot. And you're supposed to kind of like run and gun all the time. I don't love games where you have that kind of endless shoot speed. You're never supposed to stop your momentum because I get really, really frustrated if I somehow do stop momentum. My momentum, it, it drives me kind of nuts. Uh, so, and I find I do because <laughs> I'm bad at them. Uh, so that's kind of kept me from playing the modern Doom games. Uh, but I will say this looks really, really cool. I have enjoyed playing stuff, like I said before, like Into the Pit on Game Pass. Uh, so I think this kind of gives me that vibe. Uh, I like the design a lot. It's something I might... I might play at some point. If, if this were a Game Pass game, I'd definitely install and play it. Uh, I don't know if it's something I'm going to drop cash on, but uh, maybe one day. 
Um, speaking of something that's a cool Game Pass game, though, Chinatown Detective Agency. Uh, this is a kind of a, another adventure puzzle game. Got a 71 on Open Critic. It's out right now on uh, Game Pass as well, day one. This is a weird one. This is something yeah. I initially thought I was really excited when I first kind of saw it being on Game Pass. But as I've watched reviews, I've kind of soured a bit more. A lot of games portray themselves as a retro. This is the first one in a while that I've seen that actually feels retro more so than a lot of games that try to emulate that. It feels like something that I might have played in a computer lab in elementary school, probably because it's really trying to emulate the feeling that you get from like the Carmen San Diego games. Yes. So I, I don't know. If you're really nostalgic for that sort of thing, then this is probably something to check out but otherwise i mean i don't know if there's enough value there but it's on game pass so if you have game pass you can't lose out on on anything you're already paying for game pass it sounds like some of the puzzles even though it is encouraging like the carmen san diego pardon me the carmen san diego games to go and like search things on your own and look up things it sounds like some of the puzzles are actually still super difficult i saw that in the noisy pixel review i think they were saying like the game was kind of like patting themselves in the back a little too hard about like they made the puzzles a little too difficult for like yeah. and also i've heard there was a, a decent amount of bugs uh, at the beginning here so hopefully that's something that gets ironed out i do think this could be a great game and a great entry uh, in this kind of genre for people who are looking for it though so good for them not for me though i think i've decided today Moving on, House of the Dead Remake. This is an arcade FPS. Got a 63 on Open Critic, and that is also out now. Uh, Matt, you said it best, I think, here. Yeah, I'll play an on-rails shooter in the arcade, but I just have no interest in doing that on home console. Yep. There's, I feel like the entire charm of it is playing in the arcade. Like, yeah. We've moved past that genre in the home console. I think if you take like the whatever the switch the joy cons or whatever and you take you know and you have two people and you're kind of in the right zone that could be kind of fun to play at co-op like that but i've heard that all the controls aren't like amazing which is kind of par for the course because an arcade game really doesn't have like amazing controls for that yeah but also that's because it's an arcade game and it's just because it's fun because you're like at the movies or at an arcade and you're playing it where you're like goofing around so uh yeah just just not a good port for me, but man, did I see a lot of people saying that their nostalgia is taken over and they're psyched to play this. So great for those who are into it. Moving on to Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers edition. Of course, the JRPG got a 77 on Open Critic. It is out right now. It's a remaster of Chrono Cross, which was a successor to Chrono Trigger. Uh, I said here, great for fans, um, but just nothing for me. Does nothing for me. I just, I wish I could get into these, but it just reminds me of like kind of the a lot of like the main early Final Fantasies too, just not for me. Yeah, and the thing about Chrono Cross is it's even like next level <laughs> as far yeah. as like like some of those older JRPGs. If you're not into them, you're not into them. But if you're not into them, then you're definitely not into Chrono Cross. <laughs> I think right. even for JRPG fans, this one is a weird one. Visually, it's it's really unique looking. It looks cool, and like you said, I'm happy for the fans, but. This is not for me, but good for them that they got a remaster. That's awesome. But this is for a very niche group of people. The I will say the art style of this, it, you know, you said earlier about Norco. I find this is ex- incredibly unsettling. Uh, there's something about <laughs> yeah. this like bright. Uh, there's something about this this genre and this 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 art style and this this era in JRPGs that just makes me uncomfortable to look at. I feel like you're in nowhere. You're in this weird nowhere limbo world. And it just makes me not, <laughs> it makes me feel weird. So that's partly why I've never been able to get into these. Even like the original, um, like the initial part when you're playing Kingdom Hearts, 
and you're on that weird little island and stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. I feel like, where am I? It makes oh, me very yeah. unhappy. <laughs> I don't know what it is about those, but these like islandy Japanese RPG games from like the early 2000s. Not happening. I totally understand that. I don't even know how I would like begin to nope. describe this, but I totally understand what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's all, and I, I did always feel that, that same way when I would play the original Kingdom Hearts. It, it is, it is unsettling and strange. Like you're these kids in this, like you said, limbo space. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's weird. Yeah, it's like I always feel like you're in some sort of weird, like you know, otherworld purgatory or something. <laughs> It's strange. All right, let's get into some stories today because we have just talked about reviews forever. So let's jump into it. Remedy and Rockstar are partnering up to remake Max Payne 1 and 2. The remake will feature both games tied together in one neat little package. It's being developed for PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. Rockstar is financing the game and Remedy is developing it. That's kind of a cool way to do things. I think it's very early in development though. So, you know, don't get your hopes up. It's not happening like this year, probably. Matt, you have more to say on this than I do. I I, I think neither of us played Max Payne, but like, I really don't even know, know anything. Like, I'm not even really drawn to Max Payne. I really am drawn to Max Payne. I'm really pumped for this. I just totally missed out on Max Payne when it was relevant, but it, it, it's totally up my alley. It's like this almost like I'm tired of this shit neo-noir yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. And I'm totally into that. I It's it's a weird series. Uh, Max Payne 3 came out like almost 10 years after 2. I think it was 2013 uh, or 2012. It came out t- 2012 and Max Payne 2 came out 2003, I think. So almost 10 years in between. And then Max Payne 3 did well critically. And then now we're 10 years after that and... Nothing has happened in the Max Payne franchise until now where we get this announcement for the remakes. So I don't know why this franchise has sort of just gone to the wayside, but I'm glad that we're getting the remakes. This is something I am definitely now looking forward to. I just wonder what the hell is going on with Remedy. They have so much going on. How are they consistently adding more to their plate? They've got like four or five projects going on now. I mean, there's so much. There's a lot. <laughs> how can they how can they manage all of this? I have no idea, honestly. Like I just <laughs> it's so weird. Um, I think I've been noticing that we'll notice that more as we talk about other stuff today, but there's a lot of developers I think that just have way too much going on that are like kind of that mid-tier size. And I just uh it's a, it's a strange one. Also, by the way, I want to remind you, Matt, that there was a Max Payne movie. Do you remember that existing? Yeah, who starring uh, Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis? That was Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now that you say that, I do remember that. Was that two thousand eight? Was two thousand eight? Yeah. So that was between Max Payne two and Max Payne three, and that movie didn't kill the franchise. So <laughs> it, it didn't. It's uh, even though it got a sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh God, that's not very it's good. It's not good. <laughs> it didn't uh, didn't change things in the old uh, way we used to see video game and still kind of see video game adaptation movies. I'm really excited about the idea of this remake, especially the like the fact that it's being made only for the current generation of consoles and it's not going to be on PS4. It's not going to be on Xbox One. So they're focusing on that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's exciting. So I will. This is now on my radar. I'm looking forward to it. Love it. I'm I'm excited for you. And maybe one day I will get into it. Speaking earlier of Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 4 just got announced. This is like a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, the announcement came with a three-minute trailer to cap off the 20th anniversary event. 20 years. Wow, good for them. Uh, the trailer is running on Unreal Engine 4. 
but the project will eventually be transferred over to Unreal Engine 5. We're seeing that with a lot of things now that are kind of mentioning that they're on 4. Uh, and the plot appears so far to show everything coming to our world, uh, which is a choice, a choice that was made. This is such a common trope in Japanese like anime and, and video games where you have downtown Tokyo and you see these black balls of energy and the monsters emerging from them. You see this all over like Digimon and Digimon did it, which was awesome. I think they yeah. did it great in Digimon. It's one of my favorite parts. So the, I don't know. I don't want this to be the game. Look, I really, really like Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I never played 3 because it got a poor reception and I just heard it was like playing one big cutscene essentially and maybe eventually I'll play it, but I don't know. If this is where we're going with Kingdom Hearts 4, I'm totally uninterested. I don't want them coming to our world. I don't like this new design they have for Sora. And I don't know. Some people in the what's comments your, were talking. What's your issue with it? I like it. What's what's wrong with it? It, do, it just doesn't look like him. It's like yeah. a different face. It, it's, yeah. it, it just doesn't look the same. And some people in the comments were mentioning, like, if this is Sora in our world, is this like his his character's representation, like how he would look as like a regular human. <laughs> like, so right. maybe that's the case. And maybe he changes when you go to other parts of the game. I hope it's not just all our world because that just takes away from what makes kingdom hearts special, which is where you're going to all these different Disney worlds and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's still going to be in there. I just hope most of it, I hope it's not like based around our world. I don't care about that. That's not part of kingdom hearts to me. Imagine you went to like an alternate weird Disney world for like a big part of it. That would be cool. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I could I could be down for that. The The good thing is that we don't have to wait however many. It was like nearly 20 years before yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3 because Square had all those massive problems with the engine. And that was the, the big problem with Final Fantasy uh, 13 and 15 as well, I think. That's why in The Last Guardian. So they had like yeah. a lot of issues with that engine now. Working in Unreal, they can Huge. get something coming out more quickly, so that's good news. But as far as the game itself, like, I don't know, man. This trailer didn't really do anything for me. It, it I will say it didn't even, like, it was all pre-rendered, obviously, and it didn't even look that good. So, no, it didn't. I don't know. I, I want it to be good, and I want to be able to get back into Kingdom Hearts, but it's been so long since I've been interested in Kingdom Hearts. I don't, they might have just lost me at this point. It's gotten crazier and crazier and crazier in terms of like the massive Japanese RPG storyline things. Uh, like you said, three has been said to be like this giant cutscene of insanity. Like it, it definitely is. It used to feel kind of like a very accessible and fun and unique thing uh, in the world of like JRPGs. And now it's just been kind of to me become like a full JRPG that happens to have some like Disney characters in it especially with all that stuff that happened between two and three with all those like DS games and all that weird stuff and the re redux, re review, remastered, whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of those weird ones that like change the story just ever so slightly to make it extremely fucking confusing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's cool. Uh, it's never something that like super grabbed me, but that being said, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it's good for people who are into it uh it's cool to see yeah the music on real so we can actually maybe see maybe it'll actually run on the switch this time and they doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be a cloud version that would be cool i like that you mentioned the thing about the story because that's that's important like just making your story super complicated like way too complicated yeah way too complicated i don't know if there's a single human who completely understands it like that's not 
a good thing. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be proud <laughs> that you've yeah. done that. Like your story has Disney characters in it. It should yeah. not be that confusing and hard to follow. Like, what are we doing? Make it baby's first RPG. Make it simple. Yeah. Make it, this would be a great gateway for a lot of people to get into that kind of stuff. Uh, and younger kids getting into that kind of stuff. Like I think the original kingdom hearts kind of was, and then it got so fuck. they got so high on their own supply that they made it into like a full fledged massive, like one of the most complex JRPG stories out there. And now it's a very different product entirely, but it still happens to have Donald Duck in it. So there you go. It's so unnecessary. It does not need to be this <laughs> complex. It's crazy. Uh, I have to go play some Final Fantasy just to get myself like ready to play some Kingdom Hearts. I got to prepare myself. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, let's move on. Talk a little bit about Return to Monkey Island because it was announced and is coming later this year, which is very exciting for all the Monkey Island fans out there. Ron Gilbert has been quietly working on the sixth game in the Monkey Island franchise for two years now. Matt, I, I just, today is the day of me just talking about stuff I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I really like completely missed Monkey Island. Completely. Yeah, me too. It, it just wasn't a part of my childhood. I think mostly because at the time that Monkey Island was a big thing, I don't think I was playing a lot of PC games, so yeah, that probably same. had to do some with it. I like the vibe of these Monkey Island games, and I think that Devolver Digital is a perfect publisher for this new Return to Monkey Island. I think that's a really yeah. good pairing. I'm just not into point-and-click adventures. Obviously, like Sea of Thieves, which is a game that we love, owes a lot of its aesthetic and its entire vibe to Monkey Island. Yeah. And I'm very much happy to consume that vibe in that way through yeah. Sea of Thieves because I just I'm not going to get it through Monkey Island because I'm not going to play it. But, you know, there's a bunch of people who have a massive amount of nostalgia for Monkey Island. And I also recognize what it has done for video games as a property. So I respect it for that. And I'm happy for the people that they're getting this Return to Monkey Island game. So that's that's cool for them. And one of the original founders of the original franchise, you know, yeah. making this on his own. That's That's really cool. So good for them. Super cool, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are really psyched. But yeah, I agree. I'm much more of a Sea of Thieves uh, fan for that vibe, uh, or even just bring back some Banjo Kazooie, uh, give me some of those uh, Treasure Trove Cove levels. That'll that'll <laughs> get me there too. That works. Um, okay, we've been talking a lot about Unreal Engine. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Unreal Engine Five uh, because it was actually officially launched this week, which is awesome, and is now available to all developers. This is a this is a big deal. I know we've been. It's kind of one of those funny things where you've been hearing about Unreal Engine Five and they've been showing it off, and they've had like people able to like go in and mess around with it for like a year or something. But you know, it hasn't still been officially launched for everyone. So now it's out there. Um, and we had a big announcement, which is that the next Tomb Raider game from Crystal Dynamics is going to happen, which is already something pretty exciting. Uh, and it's also going to be built in UE5, which is really cool. And I think will be a great showcase for UE5. Although I think there's all, I think there's gonna be a ton of great showcases for UE5. Matt, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, which is that like more and more we're seeing game companies, game developers, like abandoning a proprietary uh, game engines and moving more to like Unreal Engine 5 and things like that, because with the instability of like, you know, keeping employees and things like that, it's a lot easier to have everyone who already knows how to work on Unreal Engine, a lot easier to, to, to build and develop that way when you're not also trying to maintain your engine and making sure it works. That being said, though, the big story here, I think, is Tomb Raider, and it's something you're more uh, accustomed to. So I will say, I kind of throw it to you a little bit and just ask a, a what your thoughts are. But also keep in mind, and something I want to kind of color this conversation with, which is that 
Crystal Dynamics is also a lot going on. That's kind of what I was going to mention with the Remedy yeah. thing. Like they've been kind of brought in or they're supposed to be like in there fixing or trying to do something with this perfect dark game. Uh, they're still kind of got, they still kind of got their, their claws in like the Avengers thing where they're trying to make that work. But that was kind of a huge flop. You know, there's a lot going on over there at Crystal Dynamics. So yeah, what do you think about Tomb Raider? What do you think about Crystal Dynamics? Uh, you know, drop some knowledge. I'm excited about Tomb Raider. I mean, I really like the the reboot trilogy. It's sort of like the B version of Uncharted, essentially, but it's it's good. It, it holds up on its own. It, it's it's definitely fun. I I think it's sort of lost its way over time throughout the trilogy, but it it was a really good reimagining of Tomb Raider. So I don't I don't know if what they're gonna do next. I don't know if they're taking. I guess from what I understand is they are going to be branching off from the original trilogy, maybe some sort of small time skip and, and then Tomb Raider four is continuing. I think right. what people were hoping for was going back to the original Tomb Raider yes. and remaking that or reimagining that it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, but I kind of, I would like to see that because you know, you got dinosaurs. It's, it's a little bit more, sassy and and there's a silliness to it and like sort of like a campiness to it that the new yep. ones didn't really have because they were it was sort of like your classic dark and gritty reboot so i, I kind of would like to see a take on the original tomb raider but I, it doesn't look like that's what we're getting it's funny to see trends like that go through this is a much larger larger conversation so we won't get into it too much but it's funny to see like how dark and gritty was such a big thing like when this tomb raider yeah um game kind of came out in like 2013 2014 and and everything movies games and now we're starting to see a return to getting like really silly and tongue-in-cheek with stuff and like being fun again which is kind of not to say that things weren't fun but you know what i mean fun in like the the tropey sense so yeah that's that's kind of funny to see that all right let's move on to some quick stories of the day matt and we're gonna fly through some of these first off we have some release date updates and that is first off guild wars 2 living sea living world season one Flame and Frost returns April 19th, which is super exciting uh, for a lot of people. We talked about this already, but if you have not, if you've ever played Guild Wars 2, uh, I'm sure you and played through the end game, you surely probably have realized you missed out on season one. Uh, you missed out on a big part of the storyline um, unless you played way back. Uh, and so they're putting that back in there, which is awesome. So everyone you know, can go back and kind of experience that. Yeah, and it will be free for everyone as well. Yeah. So check it out. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, moving on, Dune Spice Wars, which I mentioned at the top of the show, will enter early access on April 26th, which is cool. I think it's like it's like a 4X uh, yeah. Dune kind of game. I, I'm i like a little interested. I, I like a bit of a 4X, but, you know, I don't know. I, maybe if I see Dune, maybe I'll be interested. <laughs> but that's exciting. Yeah, Dune doesn't really do it for me and 4X doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I will be skipping this one. It's not, uh, not for you. Rogue Legacy 2 is coming April 28th. And here's a big one. Halo Infinite Season 2 Lone Wolves arrives on May 3rd. Uh, we're getting two new maps. Golly gee. Uh, new modes, one of them being King of the Hill, which people were excited for, except for the fact that the basic concept of how King of the Hill works is already still in. It's in the game. Strongholds, a bunch of other stuff kind of does that already. <laughs> right. So they didn't need to like code it in. So it's kind of not that exciting. They could have just put it in. Uh, themed limited time events and a new battle pass. Uh, as you can tell, not super psyched. Uh, we still don't have any word on when uh, co-op campaign is coming. That's still been pushed off. This game, you know, has got a lot of dead game vibes kicking around. Uh, the fact that the big season two announcement that they've been kind of bu building up for us is two new maps is uh, 
kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, I was reading something where Halo 3, I think, within three months had already had three new maps yeah. <laughs> after its release. I remember. And that wasn't even billed as games as a service, whereas this is games as a service but there's no service. Yeah, the game. <laughs> so, the game is the game was basically launched incomplete with Halo Infinite, with the idea that they're gonna like come out with all this games as a service shit, and it's worse than what Halo Three was doing when the game actually came out fully cooked. Yeah, this is one of the biggest falls from grace that I've seen in video games in a really long time. I mean, Halo Infinite won many Game of the Year awards. <laughs> it won our Game of the Year award, yep. and now. Looking looking back already, it came out in November, and looking back now, it's just it has not stood on its own. No, I, the the core gameplay of of Halo Infinite is so fun and refreshing and and satisfying. But and so I think that made all of us want to like the other yeah. aspects. But once you exhaust that core gameplay and you start to see all of the other faults in the game, uh, it it just becomes too loud to ignore. Moving on, two point campus. This is kind of disappointing for some people. This got pushed back three months to August 9th. So a lot of people were hoping to play that in May. Uh, I saw a lot of people who were like, I love, I was just going to finish my year at college or something. And I wanted to, I was finally going to be done exams and I wanted to play two point campus just to <laughs> kind of get into that. And now I'm going to have to wait till like right before school starts again. And so it's kind of, kind of a bummer for, I think a lot of people who were kind of hoping to carve some time away from that, but I'm sure that uh, it'll be well worth, worth the wait. Moving on, Activision Blizzard will convert 1,100 U.S.-based uh, quality assurance testers to full-time employees with access to benefits and wage increases. These changes will not apply to QA testers at Raven Software, who are currently unionizing. PC Gamer noted that the National Labor Relations Act doesn't allow employers to confer benefits on employees during a union organizing campaign to induce employees to vote against the union. Makes sense. It's kind of a just a, a block there. Changes for the Raven Software QA testers will likely come later. Uh, but that will be, have to be done through, uh, you know, negotiations with the union. So, yeah, a lot of people have been kind of, we've been kind of following this a little bit in the past, uh, the Raven software, but also just the QA testers um, being unhappy about being contract workers or being unhappy about, you know, part-time work or being laid off. So it's it's good to see this for people who, who are interested and want it. Uh, it does seem like, you know, just judging by how kind of mediocre some of these things they're getting here that we're hearing about, it's, it just goes to show that probably it was pretty shitty before. So, uh, hopefully people are getting what they want and uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Obviously it's it's all good. Like wage increases, yeah. benefits is all good. But I think the most important thing is getting full-time employment status. So th like that's, that's job security yep. and that's, that's out of all these things that's going to benefit them the most, I think. So that's, that's good news. All right. Jeff Ross, director of Days Gone has joined Crystal Dynamics. Just talking about Crystal Dynamics there. They uh, have, uh, yeah, Jeff Ross, uh, controversial. Uh, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Uh, <laughs> Ross left Ben's studio after a fallout with PlayStation and Crystal's likely bringing him on to maybe, you know, help direct Perfect Dark. I don't know if that is, again, good or bad. It's just kind of a thing. Uh, he's been kind of controversial in the last little bit of time here, kind of getting on Twitter and 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 speaking his mind uh, about uh, some of his treatment there. So, uh, Matt, what do you think? Anything there? Or? This guy has lost a lot of respect yeah. <laughs> over the last few months. Yeah. I think the funniest thing is when he got, he went on a big Twitter rant and like mm -hmm. his main, the main thing that he was upset about was seeing how Days Gone had sold this yes. many copies or whatever. And it's like, but dude, that was after it was free. And then yeah. he freaked <laughs> out about that and, and was like, buy it at full price. It's like, 
Okay, dude. Like, <laughs> I understand you're mad. I understand the game didn't do as well as maybe you thought it should have. I, I know you think that PlayStation should have gotten you a sequel, but Days Gone was uh, was just okay. When it wasn't a, a world beater by any means. And that's pretty rare in terms of PlayStation Studios, yeah. you know, big games like that. So, you know, I mean, maybe it would have been fine at a different studio or in a different time, but not really up to the snuff here. So it is what it is. GameStop is also, speaking of uh, controversial characters here, GameStop is also uh, canceling Amico pre-orders at Intellivision's request. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, obviously I'm referring with sketchy characters here to Tommy Tallarico, uh, who tried to get this whole fucking thing off the ground. It, this is a disaster. All I can say is, like, he's clearly not making enough money, I think, for this to have been, like, a Ponzi scheme or some kind of massive scheme. I think he's just bad at what he's doing here. <laughs> but, like, it does, like, smell like something like that. Like, it does have that kind of vibe to it because he just seems like such a shifty dude. I hope that there's one more story involved with all this and that that one story is that everything is shutting down. They're ending the project. It's It's gone for good. I hope that's it because... This has gone on far too long. Like this thing is never coming out. So let's just end this already, please. Yep. Put put everyone out of their misery. I, I think sadly it's probably just gonna quietly fall into nothingness until maybe like four years from now we'll have like a weird a weird statement that's like, uh, you know, insiders claim that like all work has has ended on Amico. Right. Yeah. Probably. All right. And final quickie story of the day: a screenshot from Red Dead Redemption Two won Virtual Photographer of the Year at london games festival i i saw this too matt i thought this was kind of interesting and i thought it was completely you added it um some of the other screenshots that it was up against um some of them were like whatever but there were some really good ones and i love that idea i saw a lot of people actually post i saw it because someone was talking about like wanting to be a video game screenshot photographer or something and <laughs> someone like linked that thread and people were saying like that's a real thing you can do and they were like talking Whoa. to people there are people who like have freelance careers where they actually do that and they work with people to like promote wow. games at trade shows or like because like when you have something on your website of like showing off your game or something like when you have promotional material you want someone who's like really good at capturing good angles and something like that so like True. a photographer would be good for that so the, anyway long rabbit hole i went down but it was actually so interesting and, and really cool to see stuff like that existing yeah i just wanted to add this story because i think it's a neat award i love the sort of stuff in games that's just on the periphery it's not it's not directly about video games, but it's about like the celebration of video games. And so I really like that kind of stuff. This is really cool. There's a Google Drive link that has all of these screenshots. Yep. So go check them out. There's one from Gran Turismo, which mm -hmm. is really, really good. I mean, there's, there's some from Last of Us, which are really good. So go check it out. There are a bunch of really cool screenshots. Um, this is not the only place where we talk about video games during the week. We also do it in the bathtub and um, oh, on, yeah. on the, uh, you know, while we're, while we're watching TV, but also we have another podcast called game grooves, which is hosted by you. It's our all encompassing weekly gaming podcast. Matt, what did we talk about this week on game grooves? Now, did you bring that up because I'm podcasting from the bathtub right now? I, well, you know, I didn't want to tell everyone your secret, but yeah, absolutely. That's where you hear that subtle splashing sound. Yeah. I, I hope the uh, sound of the rubber ducky squeaking didn't bother anyone during the show, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we talked about video game content outside of games themselves, uh, what we like to consume with that, like podcasts, video essays, memes. We run run the whole gamut of that kind of stuff. We also talked about our favorite franchises, not just games, but franchises. Played a few mini games. I think we played The Score is Right. 
this week. Yep. Uh, there was a brand new one called Spiritual Sequel. So check that out. It was a good episode. It was a really fun one. Definitely worth checking out. A reminder to everyone that Game Groups comes out on Sundays for everyone. But if you are a Patreon, uh, you can listen to it on Friday in our $3 plus Patreon tier, which reminds me just to check it out. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash goodnightgroups, where, like I said, $3 plus tier will give you early access to Game Groups on a Friday instead of a Sunday. Um, but we also have some other great stuff in there, including shout outs. Uh, so just special shout out to our honorary groups supporting us in the $5 plus tier. Jeremy R. and Grayson and Lane of the Versus the World family. A round of applause for everyone in our $5 plus tier. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast and, you know, listen, you don't have to drop us some cash. But if you could, I would please ask you, I'm asking you once again to consider dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It means the world to us. It's super helpful. Uh, And like I said before, uh, we'll read them out loud on the show. If you want to, you can really write whatever the hell you want. Um, But five stars would be lovely. It would make a big, big, big difference to our day. Uh, We'll probably do a little dance uh, in our personal lives. So just know that you're making someone dance. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Thank you uh, as well to Mike. Uh, obviously, not putting the show together, but I do want to give him a special shout out here just because, you know, he did so much great work on our Twitch show over the past couple months, and we really, really appreciate uh, him for doing all that stuff and also still producing Truer Poo, uh, which you can still find on YouTube Shorts and TikTok, where you can. Uh, so, if you enjoy the visual aspect of us there, you can go listen to Truer Poo again and get stumped one more time. Matt, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here on this? delicious day of replay good night groups will soon be running in unreal engine 5 so you'll see our <laughs> of course our we don't do video podcasts anymore but if we do when we do again well you'll see our <laughs> our cg rendered selves in unreal engine 5 i love the idea that we would be rendered in unreal engine 5 and like we <laughs> produce it in there but we don't have any video <laughs> It's, yeah. it's just we're just doing it we're actually uh, on a discord call with video where we're we're fully vtubing each other with like <laughs> yeah. a full unreal engine like beautiful mocap suits on i have ping pong balls all over my face no video podcast <laughs> all right that's gonna be it for today's replay but we'll be back again next monday with another episode make sure to check out everything else we have at goodnightgroups.com uh, and we have some new Southern Fried Groups coming out, too, for those of you who are interested. So definitely go check that out on our YouTube channel. All right, everyone, that is going to be it. Until next week, good night, groups. <laughs> <laughs>